many of us there was a man that has been there for more that has been that has been sick for 38 years 38 years is a long time we have a pastor he was even younger than that he's forever young 35 years old Amen. and that man for 38 years do you realize what 38 years of being sick is so that's my, my personal assumption Maybe that person became sick when he was 18, 20. And maybe he was in his 50s, late, late 50s. He had majored into invalidity. He had majored in incapacity. He had majored into disability. He had majored into pain. He had majored into sorrow. He had majored in bitterness. He had majored in all those things. 38 years of being sick. He knew all the ins and the outs of his sickness. He knew very well that it was done and dusted for him. I guarantee you, 38 years ain't a short time. It's a long time. By the time he became sick, Jesus was not even born yet. Because we all know that Jesus started his ministry at 30, and he died 33 years old. So Jesus was younger than his pain. Yet that day, Jesus steps into the story. And the Bible says that Jesus came by the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy. Jesus came into Logos Rema, where the mind is supposed to be renewed. Jesus stepped into Logos Rema, where you're supposed to be the, the, the custodians of the kingdom of God. Jesus came into Logos Rema, where we're supposed to affect the nation by imposing and establishing the kingdom of God. He stepped into that church, and he finds that in that very church... There are people that have been there for years, yet they are going through the challenges of life. 38 years that that man had been sick. To the point that he had developed relationships with people who were sharing the same ambiguity of life, the, with people that, had, that were sharing the same pain that he was going through. Because have you not noticed that whenever you go through bad things, it's like you become a magnet to people that share the same things. As a matter of fact, when you go through bad things, you always look for a body that you can share your pain with. Sister so-and-so, have you heard what I'm going through? Do you know what my husband did to me? Do you know what my wife did to me? At work, nothing is working. I'm applying for a promotion. There's no promotion that is coming. I'm trying to buy a house. I applied for a bond. The, bond, the bank is rejecting me. At home, my husband is abusing me. My wife is verbally abusing me, emotionally abusing me. And it's been going for years. But I love something that Jesus Jesus is very interesting. In order to captivate the attention of the man, he knew very well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus came and he inquired around. I don't know what was special about that man that Jesus focused his attention on that man. 
There were many others, but Jesus just looked at that man in particular. Just like Jesus is focusing on you this morning. You might be saying, but pastor, it feels like the pastor is speaking about me. If you feel like that, I'm indeed speaking about you. Because we don't come to church to speak about other people. We come to church to hear for ourselves. And whenever I stand on this pulpit, I become the mouthpiece of God to address your issue, not your neighbor's issue. Jesus walks in. And Jesus had that walk that was such a special walk. Jesus had that walk. When he stepped into the place, something was starting, starting to stir up. Actually, I, I'm trying to dramatize the entire story. The Bible says that there was an angel that was, up, that was coming every now and again to stir up the water. But I believe that day, that's me saying, the Bible does not say so. But I believe that day when Jesus stepped in the water, started shaking. And many other people were starting to jump. They were like, oh yes, something is happening. But that man was just like trying to get through the pool. And nothing was happening. Why? Because he was invalid. Invalidated by society. Invalidated by his condition. Invalidated by everyone around him. They knew that this guy was unable to move. Unable to work. Unable to perform anything. And I don't know what you're going through. But I know that every now and again you feel invalidated. Maybe society has invalidated you. Maybe it's your husband or your wife that is invalidating you. Maybe it's the circumstances that are around you that are making you feel invalidated. And every now and again, you, you're getting used to that situation because you went to see a psychologist and the psychologist said, you know what, the best way for you to go through this situation is to make peace with it. We've heard that before, right? Make peace with your challenges. Make peace with your situation. Otherwise, you become frustrated. You know, I learned something about frustration. Do you know what frustration is? So tell us. I learned that frustration is this. You have aspirations and you have your current situation. But there's a gap between your aspiration and your current situation that causes frustration. It means I want to get married, but my current situation speaks against my aspiration. I become frustrated. I want to get a better job. Your aspiration is something better, but your current situation speaks again what you aspire. You're limited, you're frustrated. And I know many of us, if not all of us, every now and again, we become frustrated. Why? Because it's just a little bit too much. But this man, for 38 years, some of us have only gone through challenges for one year, and you feel like the whole world around you is collapsing. This man, it is 38 years my son is not even, is not even half that, 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 that amount of years. Our youngest pastor is not even older than that amount of years. 38 years. Deacon Ariel is not even 38 years yet. But that man, for 38 years, he majored in pain. I will say it again. He had a PhD in knowledge of what was not going for him. He could explain it. He could write a movie about it. He could write theatrical things about it. He could say everything about his situation. And Jesus, in order to captivate his attention, come and ask him yet a very rhetorical question. I know you're in a house of mercy, but yet you're experiencing shame. 
I know you've been praying and fasting. I know you've been giving your offering, your tithe, that you've been going, giving to the poor, that you've been giving away your, 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 your belongings, that you've been doing this and that, but yet shame and disgrace is still around you. Just pops into my head the Lion, the lion King, the, the, second, the second one. There's, a, there's this the son of Scar. Do you guys remember? The son of Scar, his name was Koba. I can't remember. What, what was the name again? Ko, Kovu, I say Koba. His name was Kovu. And, and one day he fell in love with the daughter of, he, he fell in love with the daughter, the daughter of Simba. And there he is, you know, they're becoming friends and everything, but your father is looking at him from a distance. Simba is looking, he's like, I know that this dude has got intention. And Scar on the other side is, no, the mother actually, she's thinking maybe we need to organize something to trick those people. And then, and then eventually something happens that eventually kind of disgraces Kovu to the point that he's now sent in exile. And they sing this song, betrayal, disgrace, betrayal, disgrace. Everything you go, you carry on yourself the sign, the mark of disgrace. Everywhere that, that he went, everybody knew that he, had been put in, that he had been sent in exile because of what he had done. Just like this man, just like you maybe. Wherever you go, you carry the mark of your shame. You carry the mark of your disgrace. Yet Jesus come and ask you yet a very rhetorical question. Do you know what the question is? Do you want to get well? Do you want things around you to get better? Do you want your marriage to be fixed? Do you want your work situation to become better? Do you want to get more money? Yeah, that's, everybody says yes, right? <laughs> Do you want to get a better house? Do you want to get a new car? Very rhetorical, yet very critical question. Do you want to get out of your misery? Do you want to get out of your shame? Do you want to get out of the disgrace that is put on your forehead? Do you want to get better? If you have a neighbor that smiles at you, look at him in the eyes and say, do you want to get better? Huh? Do you want to get better? Do you want things to get better? I prefer looking at my wife. She's got to communicate via Bluetooth. <laughs> but yet it's still a very valid question. Deacon Ariel, do you want to get better? Because the reason why we're coming to church is, is because actually we know very well that somewhere, somehow in our lives, we need something else. If not, you, you wouldn't be here. That's the reason why Jesus said it's, more, it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God because they're self-sufficient. What do I need? Until they die. And then they realize that, oh, I should have. I should have. I could have. I would have. Do you want things to get better? Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to get well? And listen to the, 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 the answer of that man. Funny enough, 
You, 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 you would have expected that person to say, oh, Jesus, heal me, heal me. I don't know if that man knew about Jesus, but the way he relates to Jesus tells me otherwise. He might have heard about Jesus, but he, not know, he did not know the powers of Jesus. Because as soon as Jesus asked him the question, he says, he says Jesus, you know what? Listen to what happened. You know, the reason why I'm here, first of all, by this, by this pool of Bethesda, that is the house of mercy where I know I can get mercy, I can get my miracle, I can get my healing. It is because I, I heard there's a rumor in the city of Jerusalem. There's a rumor in the city that there's every now and again there's an angel that comes and stirs up the water. And as soon as he stirs it up, something happens. There's virtues, healing virtues that come through those waters. And if I manage to jump in, I can be healed. But now listen to what he tells Jesus. He says, sir, I respect you. I respect that you're a pastor. I respect that you have observed my situation. But guess what? There's nothing you can do. Because I'm here for something else. Just like many of you. You came, you are here, but yet you're here for something else. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. For a lame person, that's quite a lame excuse. No pun intended. Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to get well? The, qu the answer is like, is like a straight question. Yes or no. But funny enough, like many of us, we start beating around the bush. Do you want to get well? But you see my situation. You don't know. Are you, have you seen me? Are you aware of what I'm going through? Do you know where I come from? Do you know my family background? Do you know that I have no studies, that I have no degrees, that I have no PhD? Do you know that I'm a foreigner in South Africa? Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you? Do you? Ah! Do you? And we are good at giving excuses. Even in the face, in facing the Lord, the very one person that can give us life. We are very good at giving excuses. Can we go a little bit deeper? Church of God. The, king, the Bible says this. Go ye in all the nations and make them disciples. Let's come every Friday, every Saturday. Go outreach and everything. But pastor, you know I've been working five days in a row. Five days in a row. I haven't even spent time with my children. I haven't had time to even close my eyes. It feels like I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, when to do, how to do. Pastor, you have no idea what I'm facing. Let's go in the streets of Randburg and preach the gospel. Let's preach the gospel, reach out to the people, address their issues, lay the hands on the sick, pray for those that are under the power of the devil, pray that they become delivered. Pastor, you have no idea. What I'm going through. You don't know that yesterday my car broke down and I did not have money to buy a new tire. I had to go borrow money and now I don't even have money for a few pastors. You have no idea what I'm going through. Brother so and so, do you want a better job? Yes, but you don't know. I only have refugee papers, refugee status. I'm a foreigner in this country and I heard that foreigners, it's hard for them to get a job in South Africa. Now with the new rules in the home affairs, they're making it even harder. 
You have no idea, Pastor, what you're talking about. Yet the question yet is very simple. Do you want things to get better for you? And when Jesus asked that question, he wants to break the limitation that that man had put around himself for 38 years. Because guess what? When you have been doing something for a very long time, it becomes your second nature. That's the reason why even a person like Mary Magdalene, people still call her Magdalene, yet she had been delivered. Why? Because we always want to refer based on what we know of ourselves, our history. South Africa, yes, but you don't know what apartheid did to us. The question is very simple, even South Africa, you who are watching us online, do you want things to get better? Do you want the power greed, the cap generation capacity to improve so that we can be done and dusted with load shedding? Do you want things to get better? Do you want things to get better? And this man was like many of us. He was part of a great ministry, the ministry of the House of Mercy. Yet he was facing a mountain that was so unsurmountable. I love it at Logosrema when we say, us at Logosrema, we do things. Yet when you look at the people's life, you're like, it's not really a reflection of what you believe in. That's the reality. And I always say, you know faith is not denial of your reality. When you are sick, you are sick. Don't say, Pastor, I, I, I can see that you've been crying all night long. How are you? I'm fine. Faith, that's not faith. That presumption. That's not faith. Faith is opposition of your current reality with what the Word of God says. You can have all the good intentions of the world. If you're, you're denying your reality, how can you address your reality? Just imagine that man. Jesus came and asked him, do you want to get where he's like, I'm well. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm well. I've been well for 38 years. Jesus was just going to pass him by. But in spite of the lame excuse that this man brought, he still acknowledged his current situation. What is so interesting, can you maybe lower the camera because I'm going to go down? I just want to illustrate something. It is so interesting because I don't know if that man was like you and I, you know, the people who've got so much knowledge and everything, so much intelligence. For me, it's weird, okay? If you know that there's healing virtues in that swimming pool, why don't you just stay next to it? You know, you, you, you sit there and, and you wait. Maybe my, my, my feet are just, just a little bit on top. So that as soon as it's still, I just go, Phoop. I mean, what was so hard in doing so? Multitudes of people. Number one thing, I love the answer. Do you know that sometimes your miracle is blocked by people around you? And the very same people that are your buddies in the, in the shame. Many times the miracle, the distance between you and your miracle is the person next to you. Number two, listen to what he says. 
Sometimes, when the water is stirred, someone jumps in before me. <laughs> it's actually quite interesting. And, and, and that's the reason why I want to shift today. Because the truth is, let me tell you something very quick. The, the, the water represents the word of God. And every now and again, when God wants to visit you, he will shake the word. Say, shake the word. It means that he will bring someone that will stir up something inside of you that will get you excited and that will get you stimulated. But sometimes at church, there's also some people that are very quick in jumping and receiving the miracle. You know, there was a moment I used to wonder. One day, there's this man, Jacob, that we know very well, right? We know Jacob, and he had a brother whose name was Esau. And their father's name was Isaac. Thank you very much. Everybody went like, you know. His father was Isaac. The Bible says this. One day, Jacob, Jacob's mom, Leah, she came and she told, she, no, right, Rachel, sorry, I'm saying Leah. She, she came and she's like, hey, JJ, I heard that your dad is about to bless your brother. But, you know, I don't think he deserves it. First of all, he's too hairy. Potter. Anyway, you know, uh, 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 um, guess what? We're going to do something. We're going to masquerade things, okay? Go kill lamb, okay? Kill that lamb. Prepare, I will prepare it for, for, for you, and then you go, and you get the blessing of your brother. Sounded fine, right? And then Jacob said, but mom, what if I've got a soft voice? I sound like, you know, uh, a young boy, but yet my brother has got a masculine voice. He's like, hey, mate, why are you talking about me? And, and I'm like, there's going to be a conflict because my father, I don't want my father's blessing to turn into a curse. And then your mom said, you know what? Don't worry about that. I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. That's the job of the intercessor. I'll sort it out for you, all right? And then eventually the Bible says this. He managed, all his strategy works, and he gets the blessing. Now, later on, Esau comes and hears about his blessing being stolen. And the Bible says that he came to his dad. He's like, Daddy! Daddy! What happened? And Jacob is like, who is that? He's like, it's me, Esau! What happened, Daddy! And, and, and Jacob says, Isaac says something that, that, that bothered me for a long time. He says, I don't have more, any more blessings. The first time I read that scripture, I was like, what do you mean you don't have any more blessings? Can you not just say another one? Can you not just bless me another way? As a matter of fact, when he speaks over Esau now, he speaks in subtraction. Yes, I'm speaking over you, but not in a blessing way. Guess what? Your brother will dominate over you. He's like, what are you talking about? What kind of blessing is this? Why? Because someone jumped in before. Number two that I want you guys to re remember today, you need to be prompt when the waters are shaken. The church is filled with way too many lazy people to the point that even your blessing you, you're so lazy that you can't even get it anymore. And someone else has get it. You don't understand. And I know you don't understand. I'll give you an example. The day the people of Israel came out of Egypt, I, think, I can't remember who read that last week. I don't know if it was Pastor Dora. Or some, someone spoke about it. But I love, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says many of us, we think, we think that that happened during the day. It was night when the, the, the Red Sea was actually open. It was at night. But the Bible says... That Pharaoh and his army, they're not coming walking and singing like the Smurf song. La, 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 la. They're not. They are coming with chariots running. The people of Israel know that as long as we are in front of the Red Sea, we're going to die. 
The Red Sea is the only thing that separates us and our freedom. So we're not just going to walk through. We're going to run too. The big problem with the people in church, we have become so complacent that we walk through our blessings. And that's the reason why by the time you actually get to where your blessing was supposed to be to the fullest, it's already slipped through your hand. And then you wonder, but God, I've been serving you for so many years. You were too slow. Are you with me? Many times we are too slow. Why? Because we have become so comfortable. We think that God waits for us. Are you with me? We think that God waits for us. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I, I, I experienced something some time ago. I actually heard someone speaking about it. Have you ever been waiting for a bus? That only one bus and you know that, you know, you're in Bramfontein. You know? And, and that's going to be the la- probably the last bus of the day. And you can't take the taxi because you heard the story of Pastor Edivaldo. So you're like, I'm not going to take the taxi. I want to take the bus. And, and, and have you been at, uh, 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 next to, uh, my wife was working at Caltex in town there, and, and you know when the bus comes, when the bus goes, it goes. So you, when you wait for that bus, you become very vigilant, and you look around, you're like, does it look like, when something that looks like your bus comes, you're ready. Why? Because you know that if you're distracted, you miss it. Are you going to say that the bus did not come? The bus still came, but who missed it? You. And many of us, we miss our blessing, not because the bus did not come, but because you were too distracted. My wife at home is doing this. My husband does not say I love you. My, my children are impolite. My children fail at school. The church, the pastor is too weak. The pastor is too soft. The pastor looks funny when he preaches. The pastor is a, he, he, he's a clown. This thing, my workplace, my manager hates me. I hate my manager back because anyway, in order for me to find balance, I need to hate back. Ah, ah, I hate, I hate, I hate. Yet in the process, your blessing is still waiting on you. And you're missing it. Why? Because you are distracted. And you're focusing on the wrong things. And many of us, the blessings have been there. We live under an open heaven, but yet the the rain is not falling on you. Why? Because instead of focusing on the blessing, you're focusing on who is running faster than you. Instead of running your own race, you're looking at your neighbor. And in the process, you trip yourself. As a matter of fact, I saw a race like this. Usain Bolt, I forgot the name of the other person. And Usain Bolt was, was a bit confident. The person actually almost beat him because he was starting to look. And then the person was like stepping, like proper steps. And to a millisecond, he won. Are you really willing to win your race? Or are you so distracted that you're going to miss the mark? Now, this man was very aware of his condition, but he did not know what to do about it. He was surrounded by many other people that were just like him, going through the motion of life, the motion of pain, needing the help of the government, the grants, the social grants, needing a a sponsorship, needing this and that. He was just going through the motion. And Jesus asked him a simple question. When you hear the answer of a man, you can see that there was stagnation in his life at many levels. 
Many people in our midst come to church. Why should I come to church again? For what? For what? So we can just spend, the pastor is going to ask for money again. The pastor is going to say this, he's going to do that. For what? What why, Why should I come to church? If only you knew that God is always ready. But we are the problem. Never God. The answer of this man shows that he knew the truth. He knew that there was a way for his healing, but the methodology was way too complex for him. He was invalid. I actually don't know if this man didn't have his legs. He didn't have his arm. But I dare to believe that this man maybe did not have his legs. Because the very first thing that Jesus asked him before his miracle took place is, I know what you're going through, yet I want you to get up. As to say, I know you cannot get up, but I want you to get up. The first step to your miracle, get up. Stop sitting down. Stop relaxing. Stop lazing off. Stop giving yourself excuses. Get up. And get up, yet you are still sick. Get up in the midst of your challenge. Get up in the midst of your brokenness. Get up, get up, get up. That's the one thing. The number two, after he asked him to get up, he said, pick up your bread. That very same thing that identifies you with your situation. I want you to get up and pick it up. Yes, pastor, I, mean, I want to apply for a job, but I can't because I've got the ngunda. Yeah, with that ngunda, go and apply. What identifies you to your problem? Take it and apply for a job. With that limitation, I don't have a bank account and everything. I want to apply for a bond. I have the money, but I don't have a bank account. There's no limitation. With that bank account, go and apply. But pastor, you know it's not legal. Who, say, who defines legality? Who defines what is right or what is wrong? Is that you or God? As I was saying earlier on, do you know that the, the world is regulated by rules and principles? Do you know that? Let's go to John chapter 5, verse 17. Actually, let's go to, from verse 16. Because do you know, in the midst of all this, that man had every reason to refuse what Jesus was saying. He could have said, you know what, Jesus is the Sabbath. You know, the, 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 the Torah said, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing things on the Sabbath. There were many excuses, every possible reason for the miracle not to happen. But listen to this. So Jesus was doing these on the Sabbath. The Jewish leader began to persecute him. And verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work. My father is always at work to this very day. And I am too working. I'm not relaxing. I know I have every reason to be tired. I have every reason to stop because these people are persecuting me all the time. Nobody wants to believe in me. Even my own family rejected me. They think I've gone cuckoo because I'm busy preaching the word. I'm busy doing even my own family. But guess what? Just like my father, I'm not going to stop working. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 18. 
For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Next one. Jesus gave them this answer. Now listen to this. This is beautiful. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, so also he does. In other words, he was telling the people, the, father, the father's will and intention is to heal, to cure, to deliver, to break the chains. If you're not seeing those things, it's because you're refusing the work of the son. Let's go to the next verse. Jesus goes a little bit even further. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that all of you will be amazed. Verse 21. Now listen to this. For just as the father raised the dead and gave them life. He's actually saying everything else that you see is small cake, is nothing. There's a beautiful scripture in the book of Job that says, the stars, the moon, the planets, the, the luminaries, all those things are just but a glimpse of what God can do. If you thought that creating the world was difficult for God, it was a piece of cake. And in other words, Jesus is saying, you're amazed because, of the, because, of the, because the sick is being healed? Wait until you start seeing the dead coming back to life. Because that's the intention of the Lord. It's the intention of the Father. For just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son give, leave, give life to whom he pleases to give it. And guess what? The will of God is for you to have it. You know, many times you hear people, you know what, can I pray for you? Yes, but I, I don't know the will of God. What do you think the will of God is? Listen to what Jesus said. Which of you who are already human beings, bad in your normal nature, when your child asks you for bread, you give him a snake, which one of you does that? How much more the father of love, the father of life, whenever someone asks him of the spirit, will he not give the spirit in abundance? So guess what? If you thought that the will of God for you is for you to stay where you are, you are mistaken. The intention and the will of God for you is for you to be well. It's funny that we don't say amen to this. Why? Because we are so accustomed to our situation, right? Do you think that God wants you to live in misery? Do you think that God wants you to be poor? Even if poverty can become a challenge for you and a test and trial, but that's not his intention. Yes, poverty can be a way for you to access to your glory, but it's not the will of God for you to be poor. Yes, healing, yes, sickness might be a process that God is using to shape your personality and your nature, but God has no intention. He's not glorified when you are sick. God is not glorified when you are sad. God is not glorified when you are down. He's not. Otherwise, what's the purpose of the anointing? What's the purpose of even praying? If we need to make peace with our conditions. 